Well, if you are new this morning, this is a, a, a sidestep from what we normally do. Next week, we'll jump back into the book of Acts. Uh, but as we are preparing for our first ever new members class that we're really excited about, and as we'll be doing this more often, we thought there might be some questions by our congregation, by our people, uh, about asking, well, why? <laughs> why membership? Um, which is, a, I think, is a great question. I think some of us may say, yeah, w- where is that in the New Testament? You ever wonder that? Where is it in the New Testament that you have to become a member of a specific church? And some of you might be even coming a little more um, antagonistically and saying, okay, preacher, <laughs> where do you find thou shalt commit thyself to thy local church? And I want to say to you, you who are asking that question already know the answer to it. It's not in there. It's not in there. Uh, we don't have that answer. And so you're thinking, okay, well, never mind. No, thanks. And so, uh, but, but the, I think the reason this is happening is there's this really popular feeling in our culture today uh, that I, I just would rather listen to a sermon online. I would just rather have that be fed to me because one, that guy's a better preacher than you. And two, I don't have to get out of my bed. What was the the mattress Methodist? Some good ones in there. (laughs) Hadn't heard some of those. Let me, here's how I would respond to you is one, ouch, thanks for insulting me. But two, I want to say, do those guys actually know you? Does your pastor know you? Does your church, does your elders know you? Does anyone know you? And, and I want to be careful here. I'm not meddling. I'm not calling anyone out here because I literally have probably had this conversation 10 times in the last couple months. And so this is not, this is just, a, I think this is a, 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 an issue that we're all wrestling with and asking, why church? Why, why, why does membership matter? And so I just want to be clear. I, I'm trying to be faithful to God's word. I'm not trying to meddle. And you might say, well, how are you faithful to God's word if it's not even in the New Testament? Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me say this. It's not in the New Testament because it wasn't a problem for the early church. It wasn't an issue that they felt like they needed to address in the early church. It was just assumed that when you became uh, a part of the way, a, became a Christian, that you joined into a church. And so it's as if you're saying, well, you didn't talk about it, so God actually, doesn't actually care about that. And it's as if we said, well, God never said, don't stare at the sun, But does he really need to say, don't stare at the sun? It's one of these assumed things. But but let me be clear. I think based off the arguments that the scripture actually gives in the New Testament, it's clear that there's enough biblical commanding that's going on there that it leaves no doubt that obedience to God and obedience to God's word, that it actually demands us to commit to a local church, not just suggests, but demands that we would commit to a local church, and that, that is such something that's much more robust than just an attendance on a weekend. And so with that in mind, what we normally like to do here at, at, at Mosaic is we like to preach expositionally through books of the Bible and, and, and commit to that because we believe that when you preach expositionally, you're exposing the text there, and so we just read through God's Word. Whatever God's Word has to say, we want to talk about it. And so we, we do that because we feel like that's the, the word of God is authoritative and has enough for you. And so we just want to give you God's word. And we believe that's going to be good for your soul. But I think every now and then, 
very rarely will preach topically. And topically is taking a topic and saying, here's what some different passages of Scripture talk about this. The fear about topically is sometimes you can take top, you know, verses out of context. But we want to show for you this morning is that all of different parts of Scripture, all of, of the New Testament are actually saying the same thing of how important God's Word uh, actually is and God's church actually is to commit ourselves to it. And so um, this, is, this isn't a join mosaic sermon. This is join the church sermon. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be jumping around. Ray's going to be reading for us. Malcolm, will you give her your microphone? Romans 12.5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 1 Peter 5.1-2, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe seated. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, we do confess this is your word, and we ask that you would give us careful attention to it. Uh, Lord, would you uh, speak to our hearts, to our souls, um, that we would be able to hear from you. We know we came here this morning needing to hear from you. I need to hear from you. And so, Lord, would you, would you convict? Would you correct? Would you... Um, compel us uh, to be moved by you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so let me start off this morning and just say there, there are some actually very valid reasons uh, that I think some of you guys have, have never been a part of a church, or maybe you're not a part of a church right now. Um, and I think there's some very good reasons for that. And I think some of you guys may be coming from a church uh, that had a very unhealthy leadership structure. And so with, with that in mind, I want to be very careful and say, I understand that. I mean, that, that you may have been a part of a church where the pastor just made himself king. Maybe part of a church where the, where, where the church was abusive. And so I just want to say I'm sorry on behalf of the church universal. I'm sorry. That shouldn't be the way it is. And I want you to hear, we here at Mosaic are committed to that never happening here. And I know the church is sinful and flawed. And when you get sinners together, anything can happen but we are committed to that never happening, and so that's why we're going to have a plurality of elders, a, a multiple leaders in charge, so there's never one person who's king. And so let me just be clear. I am not king of this church. In fact, I get in more trouble as a pastor than I ever had as a youth leader. Like, and I did some terrible things as a youth leader. And so I get called out all the time. In fact, I walk into a, in, a, in a meeting with, with Lawrence and Malcolm and Josiah, and they're, and they're just like railing on me, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and they just rip me, and it's beautiful. I love it. We need, we need people to check us. We need that. It's healthy. But let me say this as gently as I can. Just because some one person may have been ugly to you, you don't write off all people. And just because one church was ugly to you, please don't write off the whole church. That church was in error, and they were wrong. And so 
I want us to see the value and the need and the necessity of, of the church. There's this brilliant theologian. He's a brilliant theologian from Africa. This guy named uh, Cyprian who was around in the third century. And he says, whoever is separated from the church and is joined to an adulteress is separated from the promises of the church. Nor can he who forsakes the church of Christ attain to the rewards of Christ. He is a stranger. He is profane. He is an enemy. He can no longer have God for his father who has not the church for his mother. Dang. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty extreme, right? And you might be saying, well, what about the thief on the cross that died with Jesus? And Jesus said, this day I'll see you in paradise. He never joined a church. And I want to say, you're absolutely right. And there's our, th these are exceptions to the rules. But there, there, there's enough evidence that if he had come down from the cross, the natural response to being changed by the heart is to join the church, is to join with other believers. He would have done this. And so the, Cyprian is arguing for the urgency for a healthy local church, for a healthy local church. And so healthy things grow. And, and healthy, healthy Christians want to serve, they want to love, and they want to be edified and become mature with other Christians, as well as serving non-Christians. And so they want to be discipled, they want to grow, and so the, the, the church matters to God, and, and, and biblical membership matters to God because you matter to God, because he wants to care for you. And so I want to show you guys in three ways why membership matters. And so the first reason I, I say membership matters is because real community matters. All right, so Romans 12, 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And so Paul says, there are many of us, but we are one. <laughs> that we are united by something deeper that brings us together with how many different places we've come from and how different we are. We are one. It even says that we are members of one another. There's some beautiful language there. And so church membership is saying that I, I am committing to the people right around me. So the people around me, I'm committing to you and I'm binding myself to you because I need you and you need me. I need that. I need that real community. And so I want you to say right now to the person next to you, I need you. Don't leave the person out on the other side. I know. They need you too. Now, what's funny about our culture, what's funny about our culture is that I think community is held in such high esteem. I think everyone realizes and notices the need for real community. I'm saying, I, I, I need this. I want this. But at the same time, individualism is still at an all-time high. Like, I, I need to be around a group of people, but I want to be by myself. How does that work? And so I, I, what, what we want community, we, we still want ourselves to be individualistic. We don't want anyone telling me what to do or that I might have been wrong. And that, and, and that let me be me. You heard that? <laughs> Just let me be me. That's individualism. And individualism is not in rejection of community. It's in rejection of authority. And so what we are saying when we're saying, let me be me, we're saying, I want deeper friendships, I want community, but I want friends that'll just stroke my ego and tell me how great I am. You look great all the time. <laughs> and so church membership is not that. And therefore, to begin to talk on church membership, it has to begin with repentance. Yeah. That I have to repent 
of, of my selfishness, of only listening to me and only caring about me. To be in real community means I need to look at one another and people sitting around me and saying, they need me as much as I need them. And I have something to give them and I'm joining myself with them. I mean, real community goes past the surface level conversations that I know we kind of give you this only a short time in this greed and of peace to have that, but it goes past that. I mean, the New Testament alone has 59 one another's. And these one another's are, are these beautiful things that say we have to be in community with one another. Some of them are love one another, serve one another, strengthen one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, live in harmony with one another, grieve with one another, admonish one another, spur one another on, and it just goes on and on and on. All of these one another's. And what it's saying is that I can't do it without you. I can't do it without you. I can't live a godly life without my church, that I need this. And so love vertically always pushes love horizontally. It always pushes us to, to the people around us. And so committing to a local body is this natural outcome of becoming a Christian. And so we demonstrate to the world that we're changed when we join a church, not, not just when we when we you know, read a bunch of Bible verses, memorize them, pray before our meals. I mean, we, we, we can see that in restaurants. But because we show a willingness to forgive, we show a willingness to put up with the people in our church. I can't do that on an island. You can't do that on an island. Those monks that live in monasteries, they don't know nothing about patience. <laughs> Have they ever taught a sixth grade Bible study? No, you've got to do youth ministry to know that type of patience. It's a birthright. <laughs> Thank you. Better <laughs> youth leader. And so membership matters because real community matters, that I need you to show me my blind spots. I need you, and you need me, and we come together, and we become one. And so membership matters because real community matters, but membership also matters because Christ's body matters. And so our last verse threw it out there that, that, that we are part of Christ's body, but this, this passage is more explicit. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so God loves to refer to the church as his body. That, that is something that, that is part of him. It's, remember, the church is not a place, it's a people, and, and specifically it's the body of Christ. And so some of you are the hands, right? Some of you guys are hands, you're doers, you want to take a nail and you just want to hammer. You just want to hammer away. And so you're, you're, you want to go do. Some of you guys are the ears of the body and you want to be listeners. And you're like, stop hammering. I'm trying to listen to someone. And so you want to have more one-on-one -on -one conversations, right? We're, we're all, we have all different gifts and skills. and We're part of this body. And something that tr Christ truly cares about is his people. He cares about his people in such a way that if, that if a cancer starts growing on his body and a lump starts growing on it, he wants to protect his body, Right? He wants to protect his body from that. And so earlier in the book of, of 1 Corinthians, there's this chapter 5 that it, you can read all of it. We won't talk about through all of it. Uh, but Paul is saying in chapter 5, he says, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not even tolerated among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And so there's this dude who's having relations with which is probably his stepmother. And Paul is saying, I mean, the pagans even think that's weird. Like, that's, come on. <laughs> like, that, that's not even tolerated amongst them. And then in verse 2, it says, and you're arrogant. 
You're proud of this. Look at, they're saying, look at the grace of God that, that we, we, are, we, are, we are welcoming and protecting this sexual predator. Like, how terrible is that? Paul says, no, ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from you. Oh, let me ask you this. How do you remove something if it's never been in? How do you kick something out that was never in? If there's no local commitment to a covenant community of faith, then how do you remove someone from that covenant community of faith? And so this is what we call church discipline, and it's not a popular subject, and I'm glad we're kicking off the year with it. <laughs> but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tender thing, because no discipline seems pleasant at the time. If, if my child is playing in the street and cars are coming by, is it love for me just to stand by and say, go ahead? Or is it love for me to bring them off the street? It, it's love to intercede here. And so church discipline is, is this work of, of protecting the local membership. And so Paul says, remove this dude, expel him. Why? Because his soul matters and Christ's body matters. His soul matters. The reason Paul says to remove him is that his heart is so hardened, is so hardened that he won't listen to anyone else. He's not repentant. It, it, it's, it's as if the church is doing the, 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 the church's version of Scrooge. You know this movie? Or the story, right? And so he's saying, let him see the destructive effects of his sin, and we'll send the, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And we'll let him see what it looks like to live a life in that sin and how, how destructive that could be. And so, he, yeah, see what happens when you just play with that type of stuff. And so but I want to be clear, this man is not repentant. He's, he's arrogant. He's, saying, oh, he's not saying, oh, I hate my sin. They're bragging about it. They're celebrating it. If he would say, oh, I pray God would take this from me, there is a different tact going on here. And so let me just be clear. A healthy church is not a perfect church. Like, it's clear that they had unbelievers in their services. It's clear that they, they invited unbelievers in here. And we, and we want to praise God because otherwise none of us would have been saved. Praise God. We welcome them in worship. But that removal... Removal from that indicated that there was some type of formal membership going on there. And so it's for his good. And verse 5 says, You are to deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. The point is to save him. The point is to save him. So it's for him. We love you. And then it's also for the body's good. Right? It's, it's to protect Christ's body. Verse 6 says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And so if you, have a, if you have cancer on you, is it good to just let it keep growing and taking over and poisoning your whole body? Or is it good to cut it off to protect the body? And that's, that's his argument here. It, 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 it's Christ's love to protect his church that we, we care for that local body. And if you don't know who's in and who's out, then how do you protect that body? So membership matters because real community matters. Membership matters because Christ's body matters. And lastly, let me, let me talk about membership matters because Christ's bride matters. So one of the most intimate terms that, that Christ uses for his church is found in Ephesians 5 when he says, and he's talking about marriage, he's saying, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That, that Christ loves you with this marital love. 
that you are the apple of his eye, that he loves you with that same affection of a marriage there, that I, 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 you're precious to me. That is so personal and so, and so warm. And so Christ loves his church with all of its warts and all of its blemishes. He takes this group of raggedy people and he says, you're beautiful. And in Revelation 19, he says, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And so what that means is that right now, Christ has offered a, 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 a wedding proposal to you. He's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit as an engagement ring to one day be married fully, right? And so we've given the gift of the Holy Spirit, but one day we'll get the full blessings. Right now we have the promise, then we'll have the fulfillment of the promise, and but then we'll have it fully. And so if you are now Christ's bride, and we're going to be united to him that he loves you that much, I ask you, why does membership matter then? It matters then because if I, if I was to say to Kristen when we were dating, I like you, but I don't want to, I want to keep my options open. <laughs> let's, just, let's just live together. What is that conveying? I don't like you enough to, to cut off all my other options? That I'm, I'm looking for something else? And so when, when, we, when we say we are not ready to commit to Christ's church, we're saying, I just want to look out for, I want, to, I want an escape route. See if there's something better that might come along. It's like the ultimate fear of missing out, right? That type of commitment isn't in the Bible, by the way. Another term that God uses for the church besides, besides his, his body, besides his bride, is his flock, and that, and that term is not, doesn't, doesn't seem like it conveys the same amount of personal love. But in 1 Peter 5, we had read it earlier. So ex I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock that God, of God that is among you. And so Peter says to the elders of the leadership of this church, he says, shepherd the flock. How do you care for a people that you don't know whether they're a part of the flock or not? How do you shepherd someone that may not be in your group? How do you know who is in the flock and who is not? And so some of us, we don't know this, but shepherding is the primary duty of an elder. It's the primary job of the pastor in the leadership here. It's not to preach, it's to shepherd. And so, and we find out that, that Paul, uh, Peter there says, as a fellow elder, he himself is saying, yeah, maybe I've been called to, to preach, maybe I've been called to, to, to write these great letters and to, to start churches, but my primary duty is as a fellow elder, shepherd the flock there. And so, th and so what we're saying here is that God cares about his church so much that he is the chief shepherd and he's employed under shepherds for the church. And as I was preparing for this sermon this week, I was so excited because I said, you know what? Our church really needs to hear this. We're, we're getting ready for, for membership. This will be really good for us. And this passage just wrecked me. This passage in, in Hebrews. Hebrews 13 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Now, the first part I get, I get that you, you, you cringe at some of those commands there. Obey your leaders and submit to them. I think all of us, I'm a rebel at heart. Uh, you, you cringe at that. My parents said, don't touch the iron. I was like, why not? I got to touch the iron. 
And so I touched the iron and I said, come on, we're And so I get it. But practically for our discussion today, it says obey your leaders, but if there's no local church body, who do you obey? If, if Joel Osteen calls you and says, you know, I've been, I've been thinking and praying about it and I just think you're in sin and you need to step back from ministry. And you go, how did you get my phone number? <laughs> One, but two, no, you slam that phone down. If, if an elder of the Mormon church down the road calls and says, you know what, I think you need to come in for questioning. You say, no, <laughs> block that phone call. <laughs> Who do you listen to? Any elder or the one that you've committed yourself to? Now, here's the part that wrecked me. So the first part in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. But then it says, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Mm. <laughs> now, we, we, we don't really want to obey and submit to our leadership, but there's this relational aspect that goes on here. That as you commit to the leaders, they commit to you. And, and we are held to an account that we have to give an account for later in life. That did we shepherd you good enough? Did we care for your souls well enough? I mean, what a weighty task that is. I mean, talk about late nights, not being able to sleep, asking God, be merciful. Can you really have called me to this? Asking and praying for wisdom as our team of saying, can we even do this for insight into God's word of what will we have to bring to you and preach to you? Give us courage that we would have to consider these things and we consider your souls. I mean, that's a crushing weight there that I didn't, was not wanting to, to go through. That we, we as leaders have to think through as we pray through this. Who am I to lead? Can't I just preach the word? Absolutely not. It's as if, it's as if I was to take our kids to a church camp. And the camp was built up to be this great church camp and while they were there, they said, all we're going to do is, is just bring a, a pastor on to preach to them. We're not really going to have counselors to, to take care of them at night. We're not going to see if whether the boys go in the girls' dorms and the girls go in the boys' dorms. We're not going to really employ anyone to take care of their food and to, to feed them throughout the week. We're not going to have anyone who's, who's actually going to make sure no, no fighting gets along. And so you go and you pick up your kids from this church camp that was a week long, and you get back and the kids are going... Mom, I was starving. I'm hungry. They didn't feed us. But they preached the word. Yeah, someone stabbed another person, but they preached the word. People were doing some weird stuff in the, in the dorms, but they preached the word. No! We are called to be shepherds, to be in lives, to be caring for souls that we have to give an account for. I mean, yes, we want to preach the word, but we want to care for souls because God is saying, this is the most precious thing in the world to me. I mean, how would we feel if we got our kids back and they said, sorry? We would be angry, right? You, 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 you abdicated your role to the most precious thing in the world to me. And that's how God sees you. That God, God loves you that much. And that's how I feel as a pastor, that God loves you that much, that he would, he would, his veins would be split open for you. That, that he, would, he would receive the insults and the abuse and the crown of thorns crushing down his head and he'd be nailed into a cross and feel the, experience the whole wrath of God for you. 
And then, and then if you put your faith and hope in him, then you can have your soul resurrected, that he would bring you to life. And then he says, now that you've been brought to life, I'm going to hand this most precious thing I have off to the church to care for you. And so we as elders are going to go, you're going to give us the most precious thing in the world to you. You're going to give us this precious cargo, the most valuable thing in the world to you. We better care for it. We better love it well. And so we as leaders are ferociously committed to you. We are ferociously committed to you and to your good. And so why does membership matter? Because real community matters. Because Christ's body matters. Because his bride matters. Because you matter. That relationship, he says, I'm not going to let you fend for yourself. I want to care for you and I want to to bring you into a community where you have elders who are looking out for you. I want to bring you into community so you don't have to worry about just raising your kids by yourself. We're going to have people who are going to speak into your life. We're going to help train them. We're going to have have the elderly look after the young. This is the church. We are are a community of believers coming together. And these these elders are going to have to give an account for your soul at the end of the time. I mean, the stakes are huge. And that's why membership matters, because he loves you that much. He doesn't want to leave you by yourself. And so, yes, join the church. Whichever church you're in, join it. And if you have not been even become a member of the invisible church, as we talked about earlier, that I want you to be courageous enough, courageous enough to make a commitment and follow the Lord. You don't have to wait for a membership class on that one. You can make that commitment today. If you're able to say, Lord, I've seen, I've seen my sin and all of its ugliness, but I've seen how much you care for me in spite of all that. That you've, done, you've gone from heaven to earth, died for me and rose for me, and then you've given the church to care for me. I want my life to forever be changed, and I commit myself to you. You can make that decision today, and we encourage you to do so. Commit to him because he is ferociously committed to you. Let's pray.